The best way to find yourself, if you don't know, is to go to the one who created you. The best way to find yourself is to find yourself in Jesus Christ, not looking inside yourself. I know what's inside myself. That's why I need Jesus. God loves you, and the Bible isn't just a bunch of rules so God can keep you under his thumb. It's him showing you his love by teaching you how to live. Here's Pastor David with more. Psalm 2. I'm going to read the first four verses. Why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Let's walk through the scripture step by step a little bit here so we can have some understanding of the first part of Psalm 2. It says, why do the nations rage and the people plot? It's a question, right? It's a question. And the question is kind of rhetorical. What the suggestion is that we're asking, why are these people doing such a foolish thing? Why would they do this? Why would they do something so dumb? And then we're told what they're doing. The nations and the peoples of the earth are raging and plotting. They're raging and plotting. The idea here of raging is like they're causing a ruckus, a commotion. And, and we see people get together and cause a commotion, a ruckus for all kinds of reasons. Some of them are good and some of them are evil. For instance, we together today got all together and caused a commotion to worship the Lord. And there are people all over the world today that will get together and cause a ruckus and commotion to worship the Lord and to study his word. And that's good. There are other people who will gather for other reasons, whether it's in person or online, in this world, and they will gather together to rage against Jesus, to rage, rage against God, to cause a commotion, to plot. They'll say hateful things towards Christ's body, his church. They'll rally against the Bible and the law of God. They will plot. Now, the same word we see for plot here in this verse is the same Hebrew word that we see used in the first psalm, if you were here when we went through that, in verse 2, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. The word meditate here and the word plot in Psalm 2 are the same word. The same word, if you remember when we went over that, we said that it was kind of like muttering under your breath, thinking about it all the time. So we're meditating on the law of God, thinking about it, growing in God, thinking about what that looks like, thinking about his law, as were the peoples and the nations, the kings and the rulers, they're meditating, they're plotting muttering under their breath, thinking about how to rebel against God. Well, we're thinking about how to serve him. They're thinking about how to rebel against him. But it's the same kind of attention and focus that's being put on it. We as Christ followers, we meditate on the law. The nations and people here meditate against it, against God, against his anointed Jesus Christ. And God says that what they plot, what they meditate on, what they plot is a vain thing. It's empty. It's nothing. It won't help them. There's a scripture that uses the same word for vain in the Hebrew here in another, in the Hebrew here in another scripture in Leviticus. It says this, Leviticus 26, 16. I also will do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you, wasting disease and fever, which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. 
What's vain? Nothingness, uselessness. You've sowed the seed to eat the food and you don't end up eating it. Your enemies ended up eating it. That was vain in you planting that seed. You've sown it in vain. You've got nothing for it. We have a picture here of the nations and the people raging and plotting a vain thing, worthless thing, nothing. And next we have the kings of the earth and the rulers taking a stand against God, setting a plan and taking counsel together. Now, what is all the plotting and standing against the Lord about? Listen to this. Saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. That's what they're plotting. That's their alliance. Their alliance, their plan, their plotting is to break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. They see the law, the scripture. They see it as cords and bonds. They see it as something that is stopping them from what they want. The same thing that the blessed person is meditating on and thinking about, they see as chains and handcuffs keeping them from what they want. Genesis 3, 4 through 6, listen to this. Then the serpent said to the one, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The lie was, God's holding you down. He doesn't want you to know these things, but you can be like God. And they bought into it. They saw God's rule, instead of being loving for them, as a chain keeping them from what they wanted. And Adam and Eve sinned. They took of the fruit. They broke in their minds the bonds, and they found out very quickly that they did not become God. Sin broke the world since then, and all of us have been cursed in the flesh by the same desire to break the bonds of God's law, to tear off the handcuffs, to do what we want, because we think we know better. But what the nations and the people and the kings and the rulers do not see and will not believe is that the bonds of God are not chains to keep us from pleasure. They are bonds of love to keep us in joy. God's love is there for us to thrive, not to harm us. Listen to Hosea 11, one through four. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son and they called them. So they went to, from them. They sacrificed the bales and burned incense to carved images. I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love. And I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and fed them. This is the picture of God. He's our father, loving us, taking us by the hands and teaching us how to walk. But instead of seeing that as a loving act, we see it as bondage. He's not keeping us down. He's showing us the way to thrive. His cords were bands of love, not chains of oppression and pain. When we feed the lust of the flesh, the flesh becomes strong. That's pretty easy to figure out. We're slaves to sin when we do that. When we feed the spirit, when we're in Christ, we're not slaves to sin, but slaves to God and righteousness. You read Romans 6, it'll work that concept out for you. The idea is that we don't want to be slaves to sin, we, we, but we do want to be slaves to Christ because if we're slaves to Christ, that means he owns us and we're owned by the one who loves us and who doesn't want us as a slave, as you would think of that, but as his bride. The church of Christ is his bride. We are slaves to the one, the one who owns us is the one who loves us, who wants to be our father, who is our father. His bonds are bands of love. He wants to make us fully who we were created to be because we don't know the way. We just don't know the way. 
We don't know the good path. We don't know the narrow path without Jesus, without the scriptures. While the world is getting all worked up about what they see as handcuffs and they're raging and they're plotting because they see it as keeping them for the pleasure they want. God is constantly showing us that his law is bands of love. God is protecting us on every side. We're in love with Jesus, both because he saved us from our sin, but also because he's showing us the good path and protecting us from evil as we go forward. Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why do they comfort? They comfort both because he's going to take out the lion, the bear, and the wolf that wants to get us, but also because when we start to go off to the side, he's going to give us a little shove back in. The rod and the staff are a comfort to us because I want to believe that God loves me enough to keep me from going off the path. To give me a smack with that rod when I go the wrong way. To keep me in the line of where he knows I need to go. That's my God. The Christ follower must learn that God's law is not something to fight, but something to love. Something to give comfort. The world sees the law of God as bonds and cords. That's what we think. The prodigal son, he took the wide path because he thought he knew better than his father, right? He could have stayed there. The prodigal son could have stayed at home with his dad. And what would have happened? Well, his dad was obviously a good steward of money because he had some wealth. And so he could have learned how to be a good steward of money. He could have learned wisdom and knowledge and been safe and protected and in his father's home. But he knew better. Just give me my inheritance. I know what to do with it. So he does. And how do I know that he thought he knew better than being in his father's home? Because when he got his inheritance, he went off to a far country. Off I go. I know what's up. I know how to do it. He saw his father's house as bonds and cords instead of bands of love. And off he went. Wasted all of his money in a faraway country, living prodigally. Spent all his money in vain. Wasted it all. I had nothing to show for it. Planted seeds that his enemies ate the fruit. And he was starving and dying and feeding pigs. According to Luke 15, 16, it says, And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Now, I've been very hungry before. Also, I've seen pigs get slopped. The two of those things have never come together <laughs> to deal with one with the other, okay? Gross. This little Jewish boy feeding the pigs and wishing he could eat what they had and no one's helping him because he knew better than his dad. Why did he make such a foolish choice? Well, he thought he knew better. He saw his father's house's bonds and cords. But he realized eventually that it was bands of love because he came back. And of course, you know the story. His father accepted him, welcomed him. And he was once again in the bands of love of his father's house, which is where we want to be in our father's house. This is the story of our sin. We can say what we want about believing that God's law is right and good, but we often think we know better. And how do I know that? By our actions and our lives. We often think we can figure it out. We often think that God's law is bonds and cords and instead of meditating on his law, on the scripture day and night, we start meditating or plotting how we can break the bonds and cords. 
maybe just a little bit off. Maybe some of this was not really supposed to be followed exactly. Maybe I can just have a few more. Maybe I can just take this one thing after all my boss is pretty wealthy. Maybe, maybe, maybe plotting, planning, not seeing this as bands of love, but keeping us from what we want. And off we go. Now the world, they do this, but lost people act like lost people. What else would they act like? But sometimes we need to reset our own minds and hearts because we listen to the world. We know what they're doing. We've been told here, they're plotting and raging and planning and taking their stand against God and seeing all those laws breaking their bonds. So we know where they're at. And yet, even believers are oftentimes listening to what the world says about how they should live. How do I know that? Well, I'll tell you. According to a 2015 Barna poll, 76% of practicing Christians either completely or somewhat agree with the statement, the best way to find yourself is by looking within yourself. And 72% of practicing Christians either completely or somewhat agreed with the statement, to be fulfilled in life, you should pursue the things you desire most. Let me tell you something. These are lies that practicing Christians say they somewhat or completely agree with. Of course, the world believes that, but Christians should not be buying into these lies. The best way to find yourself, if you don't know, is to go to the one who created you. The best way to find yourself is to find yourself in Jesus Christ, not looking inside yourself. I know what's inside myself. That's why I need Jesus. I already know what's there. Look inside myself to find myself? No. I want to be found in Christ. That's the truth. The world wants to say the other thing. Just look inside yourself. Well, it looks pretty bad in there. No, it's not. Just forgive yourself. Just tell yourself that you're good and you're powerful. That's the world. That's Satan in the garden. To be fulfilled in life, you don't pursue your strongest desires. Your desires are broken all the time. You pursue what God says you should desire. You desire to have your desires transformed. Transformed by Jesus. Listen to this, Romans 12, 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The reasonable service for someone who has had Jesus, God, die for them and rise again. The reasonable service is that you present your body a living sacrifice. That does not sound like pursuing your own desires. It's like we're presenting our body and our broken worldly lusts as a living sacrifice to Jesus. And it goes on, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what we do. Our desires change so that our deepest desires are no longer the natural things that they'd be if we looked inside ourselves, but they're the things that are God's will as we look to him. Show me what my desire should be that I might grow and know you and know me. That's who we're supposed to be. And then we'll show the acceptable and perfect and good will of God to the world. We're not looking to break bonds of pain and oppression. We're looking to know and love the bands of love. That's what we're doing. We want God to show us even when we can't see. We don't understand what the consequences are going to be. And so in love, 
God's showing us. Because we are, in fact, like the little child. Some of you have, have grabbed, they grab your little fingers and you're helping them walk. That's who we are. That's who we want to be in Christ. To, if we want to see the kingdom, we must become like a little child, trusting God that much, believing that the things that he's doing for us and telling us and commanding us are for our good. Not trying to keep us from pleasure, but showing us how to live in joy. When we believe what he says and do his commands, we're free. When we don't, we're in bondage. He's told us the truth. Why would we want to walk in the ways of the world who plot and plan and take their stand against God and walk in darkness? Listen to what Jesus says, John 8, 31-32. If you abide in my word, in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you abide in the word, the law, meditate on it day and night, then you're his disciple. And you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Not oppressed. Not in bondage. He's not trying to harm you. He wants you to be free. Fully who you are. We're free when we abide in the word. We're free when we meditate in the day and night. And what's God's reaction to the world when they plot and mutter and plan and take their stand against him? Is he worried? No. Listen. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. He laughs at them. He laughs at them. He holds them in derision. Why? Because it's ridiculous. We can't even stand without him. And we want to take our stand against him and try to break the loving bands of our Father God. It's not happening. God is king. You cannot win a fight against him. But you can be his child and love him because he loves you so much that he died for you. That can be your reality. Here's the thing. The world... The rulers, the kings, the people, the nations, they're going to continue to do this. They're going to continue to do this. Plot and plan and devise against God. Until Jesus Christ comes back and sets all things right. But when he does, he's coming with judgment. That's not the side we want to be on. We want to be right with him now. Not wait until then. And we're going to see, Lord willing, if we get through the rest of Psalm 2, we're going to get to see what that, what that looks like. Jesus as judge, as king. He already is, and he will come and exercise that power and that judgment when he makes things right. But what we need to learn from this today and think about is every time we're tempted to sin, to break God's law. And we all walk through that in this fallen world with these fallen bodies. We've got to Make our bodies a living sacrifice. We've got to beat them into submission. We've got to sow to the spirit and not to the flesh. That's the life that we have. But every time when we have to do that, it helps a lot if you think about the thing that you want to do that's a little shady, that you know is not part of God's law. If you think about it as God's law is not trying to hurt me, you can start to see those things as bands of love. And instead of fighting against them and plotting against them, you can love his law and think this is Good for me. I want to be transformed to love this and to want to do this the way that God has called me to do it. We need to think about that every time. We are not breaking cords of a tyrant when we sin. We're not. We're fighting against bands of love of our Father who loves us. We meditate on his law day and night because it's love and it's truth and it's hope. 
We fight against that and meditate against that when we want to act foolishly. And it always ends up in the same place. Feeding the pigs and wishing you could eat what they had. Vanity, tossing away that which is good for that which is nothing. Let's be in our Father's house. Let's stay in the bands of his love. If you've confessed your sins, he's been faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you'll call him Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Clean, pure, because he died for you and rose again on the third day, proving that Jesus Christ is God and that he's defeated hell and death and sin and all of that. And you don't have to be in bondage to any kind of sin or anything else. Instead, you can be in the bands of love. None of us have to be on that wide path that leads to death. All of us can live in the bands of love of God. So let's remember that. Every day, this week, every day for the rest of our lives, every time that we're tempted, let's remember that God's law, the commands that he's asked us to follow, they're bands of love. I hope that this episode has encouraged you to live flat out for Jesus. As always, if you have any questions or comments, or we can help you find new life in Christ, call us at 360-885-9000. Or even better, come see us. Get easy directions and all the info you need anytime at axchurchnw.org. Thanks for being here, and we'll look for you next time for more great Bible teaching with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.